Welcome in to the best in paranormal programming. This is Darkness Radio. I'm your host, Tim Dennis. Man, have we got a show for you today. We're going to talk time travel today and the aspects around time travel with our guest, Mike Ricksecker. The lyrics go time, time, time. See what's become of me. While I looked around for my possibilities, I was so hard to please. But look around, leaves are brown, and the sky is a hazy shade of winter. The Bengals didn't write that, people. It was, of course, Simon and Garfunkel and a hazy shade of winter. But think about the lyrics for a second without singing it in your head. I know, we're setting ourselves up for the Mandela effect. We'll talk about that later, too. Time, 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 see what's become of me while I look around for my possibilities. We're going to talk about possibilities today. There's a lot of them out there. Mike Ricksecker is our guest today, has a brand new book out there, Travels Through Time. Oh my gosh, this book, folks, I got to tell you, I'm enthralled with it. I'm in love with this book, Travels Through Time Inside the Fourth Dimension, Time Travel and Stack Time Theory, Connecting the Universe. Let me tell you a little bit about Mike before we bring him on today, because you are absolutely, again, going to fall in love, not only with the book, but you're going to fall in love with some of the ideas that Mike has about this book. Mike is the author of the Amazon best-selling A Walk in the Shadows, A Complete Guide to Shadow People, The Esoteric uh, Tome, Alaska's Mysterious Triangle, and Eight Historic Paranormal Books. He has appeared on multiple television shows and programs, including History Channel's Ancient Aliens and the Unexplained, Travel Channel's The Alaska Triangle, Discovery's Fright Club, Animal Planet's The Haunted, multiple series on Gaia TV, and more. Mike is also the producer and director of the docuseries The Shadow Dimension, available on several streaming platforms, and produces additional full-length content on ancient wisdom, lost civilizations, and the supernatural on his extensive YouTube channel. Uh, let's bring him in right now, folks, to Darkness Radio, Mike Ricksecker. Hi, Mike. Welcome back to the program. Hey, thanks so much for having me back, Tim. It's always great talking with you. Thank you, my friend, for being back on. Boy, I like I said, I fell in love with this book, man. I, You know, time travel to me has always been, and forgive me for saying this, a little sketchy. I'll, I'll tell you where I first fell in love with it. It was, you're going to laugh when I say this, Fantastic Four comic books. Oh, all right. All right. right on. A little, little sketchy, I know, but but I, I got an, <laughs> I got an affinity for John Byrne and in, in, in Fantastic uh-huh. Four comic books, um, and when I found out that Marvel was 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 going to bring Kang the Conqueror into the mm-hmm. movies, now keep in mind Marvel has a as you put it in the book has a stream of time consciousness when it comes to time travel, right? So right away when I read your book, I say to myself, well. I don't know that you're going to agree with Kang the Conqueror in any of the Marvel movies. I don't know what your thoughts are. Let's get your thoughts right away on Kang the Conqueror and Marvel movies. Uh, yeah, I mean, Marvel. What's interesting and what's what's actually what I think is good is you know they are introducing some of the different concepts. I, they're not accurate. Like you know, okay, we're going to have a tesseract as as a magic cube, and mm-hmm. you know that opens a portal, that sort of thing. So it's like yeah, there's it's pieces <laughs> within that. Um, that are might be accurate, but most of it's not. But, yeah. it, it, but it at least gets people thinking about the ideas and concepts of time travel, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. It, it, the movies, I'll just say they disturb me a little bit because they don't follow a lot of the great ideas that the House of Ideas has. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that they're getting the characters out there tickles me a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
But it was those Fantastic Four comics and the idea that anything was possible that that really got yeah. me involved with the idea of time travel. Then, of course, you you venture outside the Fantastic Four comics and you see different <laughs> things out there. There's Doctor Who. There's other right. things that get you thinking about. And and you 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 point out some wonderful movies somewhere in time, uh, things like that yeah. inside the inside the book, which um, really gets you thinking about things mm-hmm. like that. One of those things I want to bring up right away in the uh, in the program, and we have so little time to cover all this. I think in order for us to sit down and actually talk about the book, we would need about mm, five six hours. We don't have that here, <laughs> probably. So I may I may skip ahead a little bit um, to to different topics so that we can get it all in. I want sure. to talk about first of all, time is a, a stream or a river. We refer to it as a, as a stream or a river and versus what it actually is. Explain to people your theory as to what time actually is. Yeah, time, I mean, for one, time is a human construct. We, we've come up with this idea to describe our reality. We use it as a tool. Uh, you know, it helps us keep track of the seasons, when to plant the crops, helps us, you know, to show up at the right moment at work so that our supervisors don't get upset with us, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, and... Yeah, when we think of river, or I'm sorry, if we think of time as a river, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it kind of accurately describes the way we're experiencing things right now. Uh, but the thing is, is that, um, you know, time isn't the river itself. It's constricted by the banks, and the banks of the river is what's holding time in place going downstream. If we were to remove the banks, all of that would spill out and just become, you know, one concurrent giant puddle or lake or whatever. And, you know, you'd be able to step into, you know, each moment for lack of a better term. Um, But the way that I like to look at time, um, because time doesn't really exist again, Mm -hmm. is that I have this thing called stack time theory and you can, you know, do some research into Einstein and look at his ideas about the space-time continuum and his block universe and that sort of thing. is very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, but each moment, take where you're sitting right now, each moment that has happened, is happening, and will happen are all happening concurrently. And I liken it to you know a stack of photographs. Each moment is a photograph and they're all stacked on top of each other. And every once in a while we get a glimpse of another moment in time. And what's happening is, you know, two of those moments happen to be resonating at the same frequency a little bit. We might get a glimpse of what we might call a, uh, you know, apparition or ghost. Um, You know, we might see a whole scene play out before us from some time from long ago. And really that's, you know, a time slip. And we're actually getting a glimpse of that moment playing itself out Mm -hmm. because of the frequency resonance and vibration. I want people to hold on to that theory tightly during this program because we're going to keep referring back to the stack time theory. Sure. And at the end of this program, I have a theory myself from having read the book and I'm going to bring it back to aliens because there's, I don't know if you saw William Shatner's quote earlier this week when News Nation had talked to him. I don't want to spring any surprises on you here, Mike, but you might have seen it. You might not have seen it. Spring it. I haven't seen it, but go ahead and spring it on me. Okay, so, uh, and we'll talk about it a little bit later because you do have a section in the book about aliens. And I don't want to jump yeah. to the end, but but uh, it has to do with time travel and aliens. And we'll talk about that later in the in the program. Right. But here's here's essentially the quote. When, when Shatner... Um, 
was asked about aliens earlier last week, they had asked him, well, what do you think about uh, the hearings, the arrow hearings mm-hmm. on Capitol Hill? And he basically called it, a, a, I'm paraphrasing here, but uh, nonsense. And he said if there were aliens out there, that they would be visiting here, they wouldn't be hiding, in pl- or even hiding in plain sight. They'd be making themselves known, much like we would be making ourselves known on other planets. I have a feeling I know why he said that, but we're going to get to that at the end of the program. Okay. Uh, because I, I, much like you, see what you're saying with stack time theory and have my own theory. And I'm going to throw it past you and see what you say here. All right, um, sure. Because w- when I started to read your book, it really started to open my eyes on different things. I do have something I want to tell you offline, though. There's there's something confidential okay. that was passed to me. I know people are going to go, why can't you say it online, Tim? Why can't you say it online? <laughs> um, that was passed along to me by somebody confidentially. And it's really, boy, it's a barn burner when it comes to information. That's why I want to okay. share it with you confidentially. It, it's not something for public years yet, but it will be soon. That's the thing. And, oh, and uh, right. yeah. Well, now you've got me curious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I, I think it's, and it will be something you'll eventually hear in these hearings mm-hmm. that, again, we'll get to it at the end of the program because okay. this alien <laughs> stuff is, is really, really, really ah, interesting. Teasing me, Tim. I, I know, I know, Mike. I'm <laughs> like that. I'm just one big tease. Um, so we talk about stack time theory, and we're talking about being able to pick one of those photographs and being able to sit outside a, a time construct. So we've got different dimensions. And in the book, you talk brilliantly about, you know, the first dimension, second dimension, third dimension. People may not yeah. be familiar with dimensions. Can you just quickly go over what those dimensions yeah. are? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I give a little dimensional primer there in uh, the chapter on stack time theory, because, yeah, I think people need to understand um, you know, the, the way the universe is, is constructed, at least as far as our understanding right now, what our theoretical physics have come up with. And, you know, our theoretical physics say there's up to uh, 11 hyperspatial dimensions. And, um, you know, any, whatever dimension that you are currently in, you can see all of them below you perfectly fine. So we have uh, first dimension, which is just a basic line. Uh, second dimension, which is a, a plane. So uh, think of like a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. A piece of paper is technically three-dimensional because it has a very, very uh, thin edge. Sure. But sure. Uh, well, we can think of it, you know, yeah. uh, plain as that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you have your 3D objects. So, um, you know, anything you know, like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have the fourth dimension, which is time. And that is where we reside. Uh, and what's actually really fascinating about that is our, our consciousness is the fourth dimension that's how we're experiencing the world and that consciousness resides in a 3d object which is our body okay so anything above that fifth dimension and beyond uh would be able to see time the way that we see you know like a 3d object it's something that we would be able to uh you know hold and manipulate and that sort of thing so um yeah that's kind of the the basics of dimensions but uh when we look at you know the uh, possibilities of time travel, it would be from coming outside our dimension, the fourth dimension, uh, from the fifth or beyond, and be able to, you know, come into this dimension at will. Wow. Okay. So we have yet what six dimensions? We haven't. We we really don't have a grasp of. 
or do we? Do we have a grasp? Does science does science really know what these dimensions are? And and can we? Yeah, a lot of them. There, a lot of them. They claim are around the subatomic level. Okay. Um, yeah, they don't. You know, again, it's it's more of when we talk about these different quote unquote hyperspatial dimensions. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about. You know, they've they've put math to this. Really, is what it is. Okay. Uh, with all their different theories, they've you know calculated uh, out how you know this universe would work, and they've come up with these eleven. Uh, one of them is controversial okay uh because it's dimension zero which is a point <laughs> so that one's <laughs> right. they debate on uh but what's interesting though is you have to think about this um you know if we are residing you know in the uh fourth dimension you have other entities that are around us things that we can't see with our own eyes and all that you're going to have uh, other beings living within these other dimensions i think that's something that people don't really think about, okay, we have all these dimensions. We're in one of them mm-hmm. and we're able to live and breathe and all that. But uh, in these other dimensions, there's going to be other beings as well. So this is where we get into like interdimensional beings and you know how they may be visiting us and these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. You bring up something that we talked about last week. That was Fermi's paradox. And that's in the book. Yeah. You, you, mm-hmm. you touch Absolutely. on it briefly. Um, let's, let's skip ahead a little bit in the book and talk a little bit about Fermi's paradox for a moment. Sure, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, Fermi's paradox is the uh, the idea that uh, you know we are uh, essentially assuming that there is other life out there within the universe without having seen or experienced that other life that's out there. Now, those within the ufology community, those who have uh, claimed to have been abducted by extraterrestrials, would argue it just based on that alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I argue it. From a different angle okay because you know we as humans are uh, very presumptuous mm-hmm. and arrogant and, and all these sorts of things um and so therefore we view the whole rest of the universe as extraterrestrials and you know we're we're humans yeah except the whole rest of the universe sees us as the extraterrestrials true so um yeah absolutely so therefore if you just take the Milky Way galaxy, which mm-hmm. has you know, billions and billions of stars and systems and all that, we know of at least one extraterrestrial solar system with life, and that's us. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, simple math, you expand that out to all the other, you know, galaxies throughout the universe, and we're talking, you know, trillions upon trillions of, uh, you know, possibilities here. So I think it's really just perspective. Yeah, exactly exactly the other thing too is I, I you know when we when we talk about well there not being any other extraterrestrial life out there if you really want to get simple and stupid about it bacteria falls from outer space onto this planet technically that's yeah, an extraterrestrial yeah. visitor you know i mean it, it really is a, a simple form of life but it is life i mean you, you can yeah, absolutely no, they've they have found plankton you know on the international space station and other craft that have gone up there that's living yeah <laughs> so yeah so there's definitely uh inner solar species that can survive through space and then uh yeah and then hey how did we get here you know if if, if you know throw throw aside some of the different ideas of you know we're a species that live somewhere else in, in the galaxy and colonized here etc and i i enjoy those ideas mm-hmm. you know if if you just take like a, nat- a natural evolutionary process 
how did we get here? Well, the earth didn't always exist here. You know, our planet, us, the whole rest of the solar system, we're all made of stardust. So what created us did come from the, uh, from the universe. Exactly. Exactly. I want to jump ahead just a little. Again, we're jumping ahead, jumping ahead, jumping ahead. But again, I want to get a lot of the. I want to touch on some of the topics in the in the book, sure. and I want to leave the meat of the book available. But I also want to get some examples of some stuff uh, from the book too, because you do such a, a wonderful job of of painting examples in the book too. Thank you. Um, I want to talk about perspectives in time. You know, the, the ancient Greeks had a wonderful way of, without knowing, knowing about what time was or what time may be. Um, can you give us some examples of ancient Greece and how they painted what they thought time was versus what it is now? Yeah, it's interesting because when you get into like uh, Aristotle, it, it's funny because as he's writing, you can kind of almost hear the gears grinding as he's trying to figure out, uh, you know, exactly what time is. And, um, yeah, the Greek philosophers, you know, they had some different ideas and they had some different concepts and they were trying to toy around with, uh, you know, the idea, okay, you know, time not existing, what is it, or the different layers of time, uh, and this sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I think they were trying to really work that out. And, um, like with Socrates, uh, you know, he really looked at it from, okay, uh, you know, the idea of duality. So therefore, uh, you know, if, if you have one thing and then you have to have the opposite, then if you have, uh, life, then you have to have an after an afterlife and mm-hmm. what would the afterlife be, you know, but also living in like another dimension, another point in time, that sort of thing. Um, so, it's really quite fascinating how even thousands of years ago, how they were perceiving these sorts of ideas and concepts. And then you dovetail that into the ancient Egyptians. And I know that Egypt mm-hmm. was quite, uh, quite an influence on you having visited there. And yeah, the, the idea of the snake eating its own tail uh, resonates throughout the entire book, which I love because it can have multiple meanings. You could, you could take and apply it to time. You could take and apply it to even reincarnation. You can take and apply it to, uh, cycles upon earth. You can take it, it, meaning, meaning creation over and over and over again. Uh, the fact that everything recycles, um, tell me, Mike, when, when it comes to the ancient Egyptians, do you feel, and, and we're going to get to um, the idea of uh, eternal knowledge or tapping into a higher source mm-hmm. uh, a little bit later in the program, but do you feel like the ancient Egyptians might have been tapped in a little better than the rest of us? Do you think maybe they tapped into that higher source a little better than we did? Yeah, there's uh, knowledge there that the the ancients and the Egyptians had that you know, we've lost over time. We're just really now rediscovering. So the Ouroboros, the snake eating its own tail. Yeah, it's that symbolism of constant renewal and recycle. And uh, you know, our first uh, the first place where we see this is on the uh, burial shrine of King Tutankhamun and King King Tut. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that's the first time it was ever used. We just know that's the oldest. Uh, representation of it um they have it 
around his uh, the depiction of his head and actually around the depiction of his feet as well. And with the ancient Egyptians, of course, you know, they believed in, um, you know, when you're finished with your life here, you're going on to another life in the constellation of Orion. And you'll actually see the Ouroboros used in uh, several of the, the tombs uh, within the Valley of the Kings. And, uh, you know, that was really built upon over the years. So uh, the alchemists uh, over time added some other symbolism to the symbol, uh, you know, adding feet, the fins represent different alchemical elements. They used the two colors uh, to represent duality. And I ended up using this symbol uh, when you know, I first heard the accounts coming out of Antarctica with the Anita Project and the Ice Cube Project of them discovering through their experiments with neutrinos a parallel universe running in reverse time. And I'm looking at the symbol of the Ouroboros, especially the one uh, illustrated by Theodoros uh, Pelicanos. And just instantly my mind connected these two things. Because if we have a universe, ours, mm -hmm. <laughs> we're assuming ours is the one running forward. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you have ours running uh, forward in time and un another one running in reverse, you know, what happens when, you know, we get to the end and they get to the beginning, you know, it's that same thing, you know, the end is the beginning and the beginning is the end. And I believe that where uh, the head and the tail meet, you know, that's the big bang. So what was before the universe the universe. What comes after the universe? The universe again. Uh, it's this constant renewing, recycling. And I believe the ancients knew these things and were passing on this message to us over all these thousands of years. I want people to hold on to that too, because at the end of the program, I got something that's going to blow your mind. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, it's probably not going to blow your mind, Mike. You probably have already thought of this theory. Um, but it, uh, it didn't blow my mind either when I thought about it. But it, it, it makes a lot of sense as to something I've always thought uh, yeah. for years and years and years. Um, I want to get to what the rules of time are, but I think, you know what, we can, we can, we can tackle this before the break. You know, we've, we've always been told when we watch movies, when we, we read about science fiction books, it seems like there should be no rules to time. If, if, we're, if we're accepting <laughs> that time is not a stream or a river, or that the banks can't contain time, that we can uh, pick and choose if we're, if we're doing the stack time theory, if we can reach into that photograph, if you will, and pull it, or if we can jump from time to time, uh, much like Christopher Reeve and somewhere in time, if we can just yeah. pick a time and go to it, um, then why are there rules? Why, and I'll bring up the, the rule in, in what I'm talking about here, Mike, as I sort my thoughts here. That's paradoxes. Why is it that if I go back, and it, we'll talk about the different paradoxes here. Mm -hmm. I want to start, first of all, with the bootstrap paradox. Why is it that there are rules to time and rules if I go back in time, if there's no rules to time. Well, yeah, and I, I think that's our human mind trying to put rules onto how time works, and if we were to travel through time, uh, you know how that would actually look. And so I think I believe that you know paradoxes are just the way that some of the 
inconsistencies are playing out. Because I do believe people have you know, traveled back in time and you know we're seeing some inconsistencies within the timeline because people you know will remember things that you know apparently didn't exist and i think that's a result of you know the timeline playing itself out uh yeah something like the uh the bootstrap paradox you have a uh you, you have no origin with an object and somewhere in time it's the it's the pocket watch that christopher reeves given at the very beginning of the movie uh by an elderly woman he ends up taking the pocket watch back in time with him uh, to 1912, ends up giving it to uh, Jane Seymour. And then when he disappears back to the future, she still has the pocket watch and she grows old and gives it to him. Yeah. So the pocket watch has no origin, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's never bought. It's never found anywhere. It's just between those two characters right. over and over and over again in a loop. So we call that bootstrap paradox. <clears throat> well, I have one of my own. Okay. That uh, we don't we don't know for sure, uh, but you know it, it hit us. Uh, you know before the uh, the show, talking a little bit about um, our significant others. Yeah. And mine, Jennifer, I had known since first grade. Okay. And uh, one of the more significant things was that in first grade, we're in the library. I'm just looking through a stack of books, and all of a sudden, boom! She plants a, a kiss right in my cheek. I'm totally shocked at the time. I went in the world. You know, what was that all about? Because we never really had that much interaction beforehand, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Um, we ended up drifting in and out of each other's lives. And over the course of time, as we got older, you know, I kind of asked her about that. And she's like, I don't know. You just had this little chubby cheek sitting out there, and something <laughs> told me to kiss it. Yeah. Like, okay, fine. So um, last year, we finally, <laughs> all these years later, 40 some odd years later, uh, you know, got together. And so we're revisiting some of our old, old haunts and go back to the school, uh, which is now a performing arts center for the college. Uh, but we're walking around the grounds, peeking through windows, that sort of thing. We go to where the old library was, which is now some sort of music room. And, you know, we're kind of pointing out, oh, you know, there was the spot. It was right over there. All of a sudden, she starts yelling through the window, kiss him, kiss him. You know, we're kind of laughing and having a good time with that. Oh, cute. But then later on, it got us thinking, wait a minute. Jen said that she doesn't know what it was. But something had told her to kiss my cheek that day in first grade. Was it her 48-year-old self yelling through the window from the future? And that reverberated through time all the way to that moment in first grade. So she wouldn't have given me the kiss if herself, as a 48-year-old, hadn't said it to begin with. So that in itself would be a bootstrap paradox. Wow. Okay. Mind blown. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I, I I can totally get on board with that. Yeah. 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 You know, and and there was a time, I'll admit, Mike, there was a time where I wouldn't have bought into that. But the older I get, mm-hmm. the more I see it. Yeah. The more I see it. I, I, I can yeah, definitely I, I think get as we board. become more experienced with this world as a result, ironically, mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Um I, I think our our minds do get open to some more of these different ideas. And uh, cause we, we see and experience so many things within our lives. It's like, yeah, I can start seeing it now. Yeah. yeah. I, I know what you mean. Cause there are plenty of things uh, over the years that as, as a much younger man that, you know, I was very closed off to as far as different ideas. Um, like, you know, I have my whole book on, on shadow people and mm-hmm. I was very, very distinct, you know, 20 some odd years ago of this is a shadow person. This is a spirit, that sort of thing. And then as I got older, had more experiences, it's like, uh, lines are a little bit more blurred here and that became you know that particular book so yeah yeah 
There's a grand, yeah, absolutely. There's a grandfather paradox out there that that I've I've always loved when I've when I've watched movies or read mm-hmm. books, but to me has never seemed. And, and you know, Back to the Future is probably the most famous yeah. uh, example of this. That's but, the most blatant. Yeah, yeah, but but the the idea that uh, you know, and, and the most famous scenario, if we were to go back and kill Hitler as a baby, would would uh, the Holocaust ever happen? You know, there's there's that scenario, too. Um, there's, yeah. You know. There's that, but they may have found you know, a different leader and did the same thing. Yeah, exactly. We don't know. Would the event still happen? To me, right. you know, I've always been of a mind that there are huge events in history that are always destined to happen. The lesson has to be learned so that we don't repeat the, the mistakes of the past. Um there's always a universal lesson that has to happen in certain times in time uh, so that humanity can evolve and evolve to where it has to be at that time. If you, if you notice in, in one of the great um, examples of this is when you bring up the Greeks versus where we are now, in order to learn about these different dimensions, we had to go from the philosophy of the Greeks and the philosophy of the Egyptians to where we are now in talking about these 11 different dimensions, correct? Oh, yeah. It's it's all a journey. And, um, you know, the way the, the Greeks and Egyptians thought about things, you know, a little bit of a different take, a little bit of a different slant. Uh, we have more technology at our disposal these days, so we think of time in a little bit of different terms. Um, but it's not too far off. But, yeah, the idea, like with the grandfather paradox, uh, what's what's interesting about that is, you know, a lot of you know, mainstream, uh, you know, traditionalists will kind of discredit, oh, you know, that science fiction, you know, type of storytelling, yeah. gimmick, that sort of thing. But in the 1980s, when a um, there's a theory that was postulated about that, you know, paradoxes, you know, can't possibly exist because of the math again, you know, mm-hmm. you got, you know, physicists that are you know, calculating this out and yeah, and it was thrown out there, time travel could happen, but paradoxes won't, nothing will be changed because of the math involved and it would, you know, equate out to zero. So, uh, so uh, Joe Polchinski, who was a uh, theoretical physicist at the time, he since passed away, mm-hmm. um, did a lot in the quantum world. So he's having a conversation with, with Kip Thorne, some, you know, back and forth and talking about this possibility. And so Polchinski throws out the idea of well, you know, if you have this uh, you know billiard ball that you shoot through a wormhole, and the other side of the wormhole, uh, the billiard ball billiard ball comes out and hits itself just before it enters the wormhole, then would prevent it from ever happening. Therefore, you have a paradox. And I'm looking at that and I'm like, that's the grandfather paradox. You're just and instead of yeah. you know a science fiction storytelling device, you know, like we've seen Back to the Future and you know other uh, works. It's a couple of physicists talking billiard balls. It's the same thing. Yeah. So what, that yeah. gets more credence because it's physicists rather than storytellers? Uh, come on. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, I'm, you know, I, I want to tackle one more subject here before we go to break. Gosh, I'm having such sure. fun today, Mike. I appreciate you being on the show. <laughs> um, I want to talk about time slips before, yeah. we, before we get to break here. Um, there's a there's a wonderful story in the book. I'm wondering if you would retell it, having to do with uh, with the Versailles effect. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the Versailles time slip is probably one of the uh, most famous ones out there. 
uh, basically uh, these two middle-aged um, call them school teachers, but really they were uh, you know, college professors. I mean, the one was heading up another school and, you know, uh, this sort of thing. And they were really just getting to to know each other because the, the one needed some help at, uh, at her particular school. So uh, Eleanor Jordan, Annie Moberly. And as they're walking the grounds of Versailles, all of a sudden morphing into existence, they see people from, and, you know, they're at their point in time, it's, um, you know, late 1800s, mm-hmm. but, you know, they start seeing people wearing garb from like 1700s, like pre French revolution. Like, this is strange. And there's a you know guy on the stairs over here. looks like he has smallpox and smallpox is, it wasn't completely gone by then, but it wasn't very common. Like, you know, well, okay. And then all of a sudden they see this, uh, woman that's painting in, you know, this, you know, very fancy bodice and all this. And it looks like Marie Antoinette, you know, mm-hmm. um, they'd seen like a plow in the garden that there had been plow, a plow of that kind in the garden for like a hundred years, all this stuff. Um, and then, you know, the, the image kind of faded, you know, back to uh, the normal time. So they call this the Versailles time slip. Uh, it's really kind of going back to what we were talking about before, you know, those two moments in time resonating at the, same frequency for a brief moment and you get a glimpse of another point in time and what's fascinating about that is that other point in time will also get a glimpse of you can interact with you so while you may be interacting with the past they'll be interacting with the future and vice versa Mm -hmm. we're going to take our break here when we come back i want to talk about the difference between a time slip and a haunting are we confusing one with the other We're going to talk about that when we come back. Our guest is Mike Ricksecker. The book is absolutely fantastic, folks. Uh, I want you to go out and get a copy right now. There is a link in the description of this program. The book is Travels Through Time, Inside the Fourth Dimension, Time Travel, and Stacked Time Theory, Connecting the Universe. Go get it right now. Uh, You can get it uh, on paperback, on Kindle. Uh, We've got a link again in the description of this program. I I highly recommend this book. I can't recommend this book strong enough. There are such great stories in this book, examples in this book, and so many things that are just absolutely going to blow your mind. Mike Ricksecker, our guest, when we come back, hauntings and time travel. Are they one and the same? Next on The Best in Paranormal Programming, this is Darkness Radio. Welcome back to the Best in Paranormal Programming. This is Darkness Radio. I'm your host, Tim Dennis. Our guest is Mike Ricksecker. He is the author of Travels Through Time, Inside the Fourth Dimension, Time Travel and Stacked Time Theory, Connecting the Universe. Now, Mike, there's a couple of examples in the book. We don't have to go too in-depth with it, but we can we can kind of skirt around it a little bit, if you will. Uh, you, you point out in the book, Hans Holzer... Mm-hmm. and his theories on the afterlife and the fact that the afterlife is just the other side or just a skip to the left as far as a dimension goes. Right. It's that unseen dimension that's just right there, but living right beside us. When we talk about time slips, 
there's a very famous one. And again, I want people to read the book to get the full perspective of The Conjuring House and Andrea Perrin's sighting at The Conjuring mm-hmm. House. The fact yeah. that she was right there when a family showed up at their table, um, which right. doesn't fully explain the haunting, but in the midst of a haunting, there's a time slip. And I want people to read that particular time slip because that's fascinating right. that within a haunting, there's a time slip, which brings to mind this question, Mike, are hauntings and time slips the same or are they different? And in your mind, how are they the same or different? They're different, but I think sometimes we experience a time slip and we believe it's a haunting, um, you know, hauntings, I mean, they can be a variety of different things. We usually we think of, you know, human spirit is either hasn't passed on or, uh, you know, bound to the house, doesn't know it's a, you know, a lot of different ideas behind, you know, what that may be. But, you know, we're thinking of this as an actual entity being spirit that is you know still there at the home or building or whatever it is. Uh, so we see those in a variety of different ways. You know, they come off as an apparition, a shadow, mist, whips, all sorts of different types of things. Um, and so when we see something that looks like a full-bodied apparition, sure, that might be that might be a haunting, that might be a spirit, it might be a ghost, that sort of thing. But there's also a possibility we could be taking a look at a time slip. Uh, the kind of the dead giveaway for that, and, and there's no way, you know, 100% surefire way to differentiate between the two. But one that is really, really helpful if it happens is if they look at you as if you're the ghost, mm. then you're probably experiencing a time slip. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that 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 makes sense. <laughs> that, that, that that makes complete sense. Um, I you know I I want people to hold on to that little nugget because we're going to sure. use that a little bit later in the show. We're going to tie this all into one little bow. I want to talk about doppelgangers for a moment. Um, yeah. Doppelgangers are fascinating in that uh, we have a mutual friend out there that will post things on social media and say, there's my doppelganger, there's my doppelganger. And it's kind of fun that way. You know, you, you yeah. will find pictures online of people who uh, look a lot like you. I have a few people that look a lot like me, but how many yeah. bald older men with glasses and goatees are, are there out there? They're pretty common. Um, but we want to talk about real doppelgangers. To, to the definition, what is a real doppelganger? Yeah, uh, doppelganger is the German word for double walker, and it's this idea that a you know some sort of supernatural entity has you know taken its shape and form just like you. Yeah, very different than like the whole celebrity doppelganger sort of thing. Celebrity look like uh, this is supposed to be um, you know some sort of entity that is taking the shape and form of you and comes off as you. Now, you know over time. You have a lot of legends and lore, like the Norse Vardigers and things like this, um, whereas they've essentially uh, called this like an evil twin sort of thing. And now, now the entity is you know evil and nefarious and mimicking you to um, uh, do different nefarious things. Of course, you have the Michael and Bridget Cleary uh, tragedy in which he was so convinced that a fairy changeling had taken his wife into the fairy world, and he believed that his wife was now the fairy changeling that he ended up murdering her. Oh, you know, that's taking it to an extreme. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I believe that 
you know, we're kind of, we're misinterpreting a lot of these so-called doppelgangers. And I believe a lot of these are actually some sort of time slip or uh, fluctuation within the space-time continuum. Why would we be seeing our own selves outside of time? What is the, is there a message? Are we trying to send a message to well, ourselves? Yeah, I think we're just, uh, when it comes to us, right? Mm -hmm. Each person has their own personal resonance, frequency, vibration. You know, the human, the human personal resonance is measurable anywhere between like nine to 16 Hertz. Um, and I think there's, uh, occasions there where we may actually tune into ourselves. Mm -hmm. So like the famous, uh, German poet Goethe, he's walking down the road to Drusenheim, uh, in Germany. And he's, uh, he's kind of lost in thought. He's having an affair with, with a woman. He's going to the town and, um, just kind of, you know, lost in his thought almost like a meditative type state. And then all of a sudden on the other side of the road, he sees this man in this interesting, uh, gold trimmed gray suit. He's like, Oh, that's interesting. And he's looking at the man. All of a sudden the man disappears. Whoa. One horror was that, you know, um, he wasn't sure what to make of it. Fast forward a couple of years later, he's walking down the same road, same road in the opposite direction, gets to around the same spot, looks down and realizes, oh my gosh, I was the guy in the gold trim gray suit because he's actually wearing the thing. Oh, wow. And so, uh, yeah, you're really bizarre. But I think what happened was um, because he was in a meditative state, he was lost in thought. And, you know, we're all, you know, we, we all are familiar with this sort of thing. We might sure. be going the lawn and kind of zone out or sometimes while we're driving, yeah, you know, yeah, we zone out, we miss our turn. Cause, <laughs> yeah. oh, shoot, you know? Um, so I think that's what was going on with him. And so he was in that type of a state, you know, our, our brain has all kinds of different, uh, you know, states of being. And I think in that moment he was able to tune into himself, his own frequency, resonance, vibration at another point in time and got a glimpse of that. I can see that, you know, when we do meditate, we do get to a higher vibration and maybe we do meet that vibration of ourselves in another time and, and we meet ourselves. I can see that. Although what accounts for somebody else seeing our doppelganger and we don't see it? Is it that fact that we meet that vibration and we just don't meet the glance of the other doppelganger? Is it as yeah, simple as that? Interesting. Yeah. There's some interesting cases. Um, like some similar to like the Norse Vardigers where, um, you know, their idea of what a Vardiger is, is that you're, you're doppelganger, you're double, um, enters into a location before you, you know, kind of precedes you. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, people will be like, oh, Hey, there's, there's Tim, you know, there's Mike, you know, whomever it is. And, you know, a minute later, all of a sudden the exact same thing happens where, you know, it's like, there's Tim or there's Mike again. Like what? And they're like, what, what happened just, there and, and it's all the exact and then what's interesting is it's always the exact same movements responses this sort of thing um and i like a, a story of that sort of thing happening uh to a, a woman in turkey mm -hmm. and what i think is happening here it's almost like a displacement in time and i get into interdimensional phasing and things like this uh when we talk about doppelgangers and i i think it's it's a time displacement that's happening. And so you're getting, it's almost like a premonition. It's, you know, playing out before it actually happens uh, be, because it is going to happen. It is going to happen right there in that moment. Um, 
And in some senses, it already has happened. You know, when we when we think of everything in the stack of time, mm-hmm. um, but there's something about that about that moment that uh, you know, as it's reverberating, you know, across the stack, that you know, people get an early glimpse of, of that sort of thing, and then all of a sudden, boom, then it actually happens. What is it with uh, now? Is there is there such a thing then in your mind of a doppelganger being a diabolical? So is there such a thing as a demonic well, becoming a doppelganger? Yeah, in those cases, because again, I mean, we do have supernatural entities and these sorts of things. You have like the jinn that try to be tricksters, and they might you know do something uh, you know of that nature. So yeah, I mean, you, you never rule out the fact that it you know, might be something like that. But when you're just seeing you know, somebody run into a room and then run back out. And all of a sudden, a minute later, the same person runs into the room and runs back out. Nothing diabolical is going on. Mm -hmm. You know, that one was probably a time slip. But yeah, if you have one that shows up looking like you and starts doing, you know, evil, nasty, nefarious things, it's totally out of character. Okay, that might be something else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to get into that eternal source of knowledge that we were talking about earlier in dreams. There's a, yeah. there's a wonderful aboriginal dream world that you talk about. And I want to yeah. get into that concept real quick um, and talk about that. Can you explain to people what I'm talking about? Because I think you describe it a lot better than I can. And having to do with the idea that time is not linear at all. And the fact that they don't live within a timescape or in, I, I'm, I'm butchering it, Mike. Bail me out here. Yeah. Uh, what is it yeah. that, that, uh, that they the do? Aboriginal dream time, it's it's really fascinating. It just, and it really ties into everything that, that we've been talking about because, you know, in this belief system of there with the dream time, um, you know, everything is concurrent. There is no past. There is no present. There is no future. It's all now. And so, you know, when they talk about their, you know, creation of the universe and all of that, like those those beings who, according to their traditions, uh, have created the universe, they're still here. And it's still that time. We're actually still within creation uh, because th- there is no time. It's mm-hmm. here. It's now. It's mm-hmm. ever present. Um, and so it's uh, a little difficult, I think, for us to kind of wrap our heads around this idea that you know, time is ever present. It is always here with us. Uh, and there is it's almost like there is no beginning, there is no end because it's always there. Um, but in in a sense, there is because there is a beginning, there is an end. It's a constant recycle. But mm-hmm. uh, with them, it's just always. Wow, I, I love that idea. Um, there's also we talked to you bring up a, a really really cool example. I, we're both fans of the Rocky franchise. I love the Rocky yeah. franchise. <laughs> I you know I. Rocky Balboa was just on TV the other day, and when when I was reading the example in the in the book of Rocky Balboa, mm-hmm. I got chills. Um, and you talk about the idea that the ideas that you had before the movies came out, um, and explain to people what I'm talking about with with the idea that we have this uh, connected consciousness uh, to the universe. Mm-hmm. That these ideas are out there in the universe. I know when 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 I'm talking about. Um, you know, like I have a guitar right next to me. It's a, a Wolfgang USA. Um, the one, that, the exact one that Eddie played, Eddie Van Halen played on stage. Nice. Um, and uh, it's the one thing I've ever spoiled myself with. But occasionally I'll pick up the guitar and I know that, you know, if I'm just doodling around on a guitar, I know the difference between forcing a note and playing around and trying to come up with something. And when something just 
flows through me and I don't have control over it. There's connecting to that. Yeah. So, so there's the idea of the collective unconscious, which was uh, postulated by Carl Jung, you know, famous Mm -hmm. psychologist from, uh, back a hundred years ago. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, and this idea is that, uh, that unconscious part of ourselves can pick up on universal knowledge that for lack of better term is floating around out there in the ether. And it's why, you know, at, at different points in time, you'll see, you know, all of a sudden, you know, five people from, you know, six people, whatever, from across the world, no connection to each other, all suddenly trying to invent the same thing, a light bulb or telegraph or whatever. And all of a sudden you had, it's a, it's a, the race is on mm-hmm. suddenly um, out of nowhere. So yeah, the thing with, with Rocky, that's uh, really bizarre is apparently I was picking up on whatever Stallone was, was grabbing from, you know, kind of what we call his muse, right? You know, right. Uh, in, in uh, creative people, you know, a lot of times will say, I don't know where it came from. Like the, the whole dream time thing with that chapter, uh, the paragraph that I concluded it with, mm-hmm. I was, I was writing about the dream time in the middle of it. I could not sleep. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, I got up and I don't usually write very well at night, but I'm like, yeah, let me work on this, you know, into this chapter a little bit. That final paragraph of that chapter, I have no idea where it came from. It was like three, three thirty in the morning. And, and it's like, I'm looking at that later. I'm like, I, I can't believe I wrote that. It was like a really good paragraph. Oh, wow. I kind of summed up yeah. time. Yeah. Um, when it comes to Stallone, uh, in the Rocky franchise. So I, I really, you know, loved the, the Rocky movies as a kid. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, after number two, that, that gap between two and three, uh, I was at my grandparents' house and I'm just, you know, writing some little stories. And I wrote my own version of Rocky three in which my version has Apollo Creed becoming friends with Rocky mm-hmm. and Rocky fights a Russian. Well, in Rocky three, he becomes friends with Apollo Creed and in number four, he fights a Russian. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's kind of ironic. That's cool. That's cute. So uh, sometime after Rocky four, talk with my mom in the kitchen uh, at the house, just kind of uh, whatever. And cause I, I think we had just watched number four okay. and um, I'm like, you know, I liked Rocky better when he was, you know, when he was poor, we didn't have as much money. I kind of liked his character better and he's kind of yeah. more quirky or whatever. You know, I liked it better when he didn't have all of his money. Yep. Number five, sure enough, he loses all of his money. So now I got a big 15 year gap between number five and Rocky Balboa. Nothing was going on forever. Number five kind of bombed at mm-hmm. the box office. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so during that time, I had a, I had a dream one night that they were going forth with a Rocky six. They were going forth with a six movie. And in my dream, I'm basically watching the movie. And in this movie, Adrian is on her deathbed. She's dying. Uh, And how does number six start off? She's dead. So it's like, okay, (laughs) this is bizarre. But basically... Um, and it was you know, just little tidbits like that. You know, it wasn't like I got the whole movie downloaded to my head or whatever, just like little snippets, because I believe that, you know, I was so enamored with that movie. I was so connected to it. I took so many life lessons away from those movies that I, I tapped into a little bit of whatever Stallone was getting out of the collective unconscious. 
you know, and, and people are going to, I think people are going to maybe that aren't fans of Stallone may, may chuckle a little bit when I say this and, and may go, Oh, come on, Tim. But he really is a creative force. He really, he really is. It, yeah. And especially with that character, he's really got, yeah. he's really tapped into something through that character and through that character. He's, he's tapped into something very powerful and, and yeah. really like you just pointed out, really taught some very important moral lessons but through Rocky Balboa, the movie, that sixth one you're talking about, really teaches a lot about grief, loss, dying, and mm-hmm. and renewal. There's renewal there too. There is in that yes. in that movie, which is interesting. Again, that 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 snake eating its own tail. Yeah, that that's actually a great point, Tim. Yeah, because it it connects, um, you know. His cycle is going through within the movie, but also cycles back to, uh, you know, the original movie. And you get, the, again, the great life lesson, not how hard you hit, it's how hard you get hit and keep moving forward, those sorts of things. That's right. And, um, yeah. 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 There's a lot to take away. And I, I think people don't give Stallone enough credit. And uh, it, I think it has to do with the way he talks. People don't realize he's actually partially paralyzed in his face. And that's why he talks like that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, it. it it's unfortunate, but yeah, he's, you know, he's definitely a very, very creative force. And those within Hollywood know how much of a creative force he is. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, but that, that, uh, that chapter on dreams and eternal knowledge, I, I, I encourage people to really read that chapter, soak it in because it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, mind blowing. It really is mind blowing. When you think about, when you think you have an original idea, stop and think about it because chances are it's been thought of before it's been done before you may be taking a glimmer of it or a glimpse of it from the universe. You could put your own spin on it based on your life experience, but it probably isn't yours to begin with. Yeah. And that's, I think that's, you know, where the, the color of our universe kind of, you know, comes from, yes, there's this eternal knowledge that's out there, but like you said, we put our own spin on it. So, um, so in, you know, many ways, you know, it seems new, refreshed. You, know, you take like the hero's journey, right? You know, we all yeah. know the story. We see it in Star Wars, we see it in Lord of the Rings, we see it in like <laughs> most of them, especially action adventure movies. We see the same story played out, different characters, a little bit of different spin, maybe different setting or environment. It's essentially the same story that we've been mm-hmm. telling ourselves, you know, for thousands and thousands of years. And so, um, yeah, that's an interesting chapter because I have, um, uh, you know, Mark Anthony uh, gives some insight on dreams. And I have uh, Emily Harrison from the Akashic Academy talk about the Akashic Records, which has a lot of similarities to, uh, you know, the collective unconscious from Young. One of the things we didn't talk about, I want to get into with you briefly. Um, we may split a little bit on this, uh, but I think we agree most on most of it. I want to talk about the Mandela effect. Okay. I have a problem with the Mandela effect, but we'll, we'll uh, <laughs> let's let's uh, let's talk about it briefly. Uh, let our listeners know a little bit about the background of the Mandela effect and, and where it comes from. Yeah, so um, this idea was postulated um, right around ten years ago um, when uh, Nelson Mandela passed away. Uh, there are many people out there that thought that he had actually passed away back in the 1980s when he was in prison. And, uh, you know, following that, there was some fallout that uh, Fiona Broom ended up coining the term uh, the Mandela effect. The other you know, people started realizing that there are other things that 
people were remembering differently. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it had to do with branding, yeah. you know, like yeah. uh, the way Fruit Loops was spelled or Oscar Mayer or, um, you know, how does you know, the song We Are the Champions in, you know, things like that. Yeah. A yeah. lot of it was out of pop culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and people, a lot of people were misremembering all these things the same exact way. And so, um, and I don't know what your exact take is on it. I mean, I believe a lot of these are just uh, a mass misremembering, mm-hmm. but I think there are some elements that uh, that do play out in which you know we can see something's a little bit different with time. And you know, I give I don't want to spoil the whole thing here. It's no, don't yeah, don't anyway. don't spoil the whole thing. But but I give an example of one that you will not find in any of like top fifty. Mandela effect lists that are out there on the internet that I and my mother actually experienced. Yeah. And, and I encourage people to read the book to get that one. Cause that one is original. I find in, in maybe you will agree with me. Maybe I, I, I misconstrued and I jumped on that one. Um, Mandela effect to me is a lot of people nowadays is just a lot of people using it as an excuse for being lazy and not remembering history. <laughs> that 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 is a lot of yeah, what people that. are doing. It's it's a lot of people not bothering to pay attention to current culture or past culture. It's it's okay. I live in the here and now. I don't give a shit about what happened thirty years ago. And oh yeah, okay yeah. Or or they don't bother to remember what it is that happens with other people. They're too engrossed in what is happening in their own lives. So yeah. when you when you have something like. Uh, a, a current celebrity who dies who was just working three years ago, Mike, and they go, I, I haven't heard anything from that person in years. Well, they just released an album two years ago. <laughs> you know, uh, come on. Right. You know, and, and oh, Mandela effect, I haven't heard from him in 10 years. That's because you're not paying attention. That right. That's a yeah. lot of what it is. It, people use Mandela effect as a reason for them to tune out of society. Um. It, it, yeah, I mean, I just last night we went and saw uh, you know, Motley Crue and Def Leppard, and uh, people don't realize like Def Leppard's had a bunch of albums, like a yes, bunch, yes, since you yeah. know they're you know the last huge one, uh, Adrenalize, in the early '90s. But yeah, they've they've put out a lot since it. So yeah, I get yeah. it. Yeah, and but people will go to the concert who probably stopped listening to Def Leppard pre two thousand and go, I haven't heard from these guys in twenty three years. No, yeah. they've been out there. They've been out there. You just stop paying attention, right? right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, I, I, yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, people do stop paying attention, and um, yeah, and, and some again, I think some of these things just get you know, misremembered. Yeah, um, you know the, I think the one with um, was Mister Monopoly wearing a monocle. Yeah, you know, that sort of thing. It's like well, I'm kind of mixing it with mix with Mister Peanut. You know, right. so I can see right. those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There are some legit ones out there, and and the one that we've brought up on the on the program before is is the death of Kirk Douglas. Kirk Douglas, and I I remember seeing the ET obituary on Kirk Douglas mm-hmm. years before he actually died. I remember his son getting on on the air, Michael Douglas, and talking about. And he was a much younger man talking about. You know, it's a shame he was such a great actor. I remember seeing the the uh, the highlight reel of Spartacus and all this other th- stuff. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, no, he didn't die. 
And I'm like, well, wait a minute. No, 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 no. I saw it on ET. I remember Mary Hart was there. She was talking about, you know, what a mm-hmm. what a great actor he was. And and people are like, Oh, you're crazy. He didn't die. It's like, well, wait a minute. Yeah. And so I, I think some I, there are some legit ones. Um it's not you know, it's not a ton. It's not some of these, you know, quirky branding ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but I you know, I think what happens, and I think this is um you know, the effect of, of time travelers, people have gone back and it's not like they went back. We're going to kill Kirk Douglas, you know, <laughs> that's <laughs> right. not the intention, yeah. right. All the people. You know, or we're going to go yeah. back and save his life or whatever. Right. Um, you know, and it's the result of, you know, they have gone back. Maybe they're, and it could just been there watching, observing, whatever. And they accidentally did something to affect a little thing over here. But and then, you know, it's butterfly effect. You know, and, yeah. And something greater ended up happening as a result of that. And so I think that's where, um, you know, some of these actual, actual more legitimate cases of, no, we're remembering something in thousands of people across the world, no contact with each other, each remembering these things exactly the same. It's like, yeah, something got changed up here. Right, right. And that example in the book is one of those which I find fascinating. I really do find fascinating. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah, because that was really obscure. That right. was really obscure. But there were right. several people, not just myself and my mother, but other people from across the world that were remembering the exact same thing. Right. And it's like, this is, re- you know, how, how all these people and, don't, and don't, this little obscure thing. Right. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. There are legitimate Mandela effect cases out there. I just find them rare, you know? I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're like gems, you know? You find them along the way and you go, wow, that's right. That was that way. Why, how come I don't remember it, you know? Um, you, you bring up the one with, with uh, although people say they, they, they don't remember it, uh, they remember it a certain way, but it's really this way in the movie is Mr. Rogers, the, the, the song. Yeah. You know? It was it a beautiful day in the neighborhood or yeah. a beautiful day in this it's, neighborhood? It's a beautiful and even the, like the movie title is beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's like you sing it as this. Yeah. This. Yeah. 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 So that, I mean, that's, that's an interesting one as well. Uh, let's move on. You know, sure. uh, I want to talk about before we get, we're going to get to, to aliens here in just a moment as we're, we're starting to tick down. Speaking of time, we're going in a linear sequence here and we're going, uh, of course, from the beginning of the podcast to the end of the podcast, we're getting pretty close to the end here. Um, but I want to talk about AI simulated universes. Are we in a matrix? Um, a lot of people may think that, and a lot of people have talked about, and, and this is a, a, a theory that's gaining steam here, Mike, that the universe we're in now is the simulation and that we don't live in reality here, that reality is somewhere else, that, that this entire world is a simulation. Do you buy that theory? Yeah, but not in, you know, whenever we talk about simulated universe, immediately people think of the matrix and I don't think it's, you know, a computer simulation. We use computers as that idea right now Mm -hmm. because that's our most current technology. Yeah. You know, Nikola Tesla thought of, you know, AI uh, and the idea basically of a, you know, sentient being type robot um, over a hundred years ago, but he had no idea it was going to be like what we're doing now with, excuse me, uh, like drone technology and all that, mm-hmm. uh, with silicone microchips and all that sort of thing. You know, he thought it was going to be radio waves and you know gears and 
wheels and all that sort of thing. Um, but he had the idea. And I think that's where we're at now is we have the idea for it, but we don't really know uh, how it will really play out in the future, how it really does you know, actually play out now and exists. I think it's more organic and biological in nature. But our uh, you know, ancient uh, civilizations, religions, they all talk about that. They just don't use the word simulation. Uh, you know, like uh, Eastern philosophy, reincarnation talks about we're in a home world, come down uh, when we're born. We live a life, we learn some lessons. When we pass away, we go back up and then you know, we constantly recycle. <laughs> and so you know, that right there is really the idea. Same thing, it's like logging into a computer program, uh, you know, Laying out the simulation, where this video game, flight simulator, all kinds of different things we simulate, and people don't really think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we log back out. Uh, so it's the same type of idea, and uh, but they don't use the word simulation. Okay. No, that's just cycle of life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I got you. I got you there. With that, let's get to the topic of aliens. We're gonna work. Sure. We're gonna work. Uh, <laughs> We're going to work with the time part of it first, and then we're going to get into the actual theories. Remember, I've been telling people to kind of keep, hold on to this nugget, hold on to this nugget, hold on to this nugget. We're getting to the monster at the end of the book here, Mike, uh, eventually, which we'll get there here in just a few minutes. You have a chapter on UFO abductions and time loss. And with that, I've always found that phenomena interesting. People say, well, I've been, you know, I've had an experience with a, with a UFO. I've, I've had an, a, an experience with aliens, or I think I have. I remember seeing a light, and then the next thing I know, 36 hours have passed, 48 hours have passed, or even just three hours have passed. And I'm on one side of the, the county, and the next I'm on another side of the county. Could this just be and I'm going to take a skeptical side here. Could this just be, you know, I, I zoned out or one of those, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in my own mind or, you know, you know, who has got the most interesting um, story about this is recently I was, uh, you're going to laugh when I tell you this. Uh, I was watching a video on drink champs and George Clinton is talking from uh, parliament funkadelic. Mm. He's talking about him and Bootsy Collins were coming back from on tour and they said, I had nothing in my system. In fact, we had to stop by the liquor store. But on the way to the liquor store from the airport, he said, me and Bootsy are in the car from the airport. We're going to stop home, then go to the liquor store. So he and Bootsy, as they're driving home, look up in the sky and Bootsy goes, what the hell is that? And points up in the sky and they see these bright lights. And as they see these bright lights, they stop and get out of the car and they, they look at these bright lights. Then they remember getting back in the car and getting home, realizing they've lost four hours. Mm-hmm. So they remember yeah. getting out, looking at these lights, and then getting back in the car, having lost four hours and gone home. Meanwhile, the wife is like, where have you been? You know, your flight landed, you know, four, four and a half, five hours ago. Where does that time go? And what happened to George Clinton and Bootsy Collins? Right, exactly. When it comes to UFOs, the abductions, the time loss, um, again, when we we think about extraterrestrials, we're kind of caught in this idea that you know, they're they're all working within our same dimension. They're all working within our same rule set, and yeah, that might be true for um, 
for UFOs, extraterrestrials that, you know, have taken a flight here. Um, you know, if somehow they have a long enough lifespan that their, their body and their resources will survive, you know, Newtonian physics and traveling all those light years. Um, it's a little hard pressed for them to do that. Or maybe they have figured out like the Einstein Rosen bridge and they've taken a wormhole, that sort of thing. Um, but I think a lot of these are probably traveling interdimensionally. They have figured something out to be able to traverse the different dimensions. Okay. And so if that is true, that they have figured out how to travel interdimensionally, well, like we were talking about earlier, you know, when you, you know, when you supersede the fourth dimension time that we are in, you're in the fifth or somewhere beyond, you know, time is an object. Mm-hmm. So if they are performing some sort of abduction, maybe they're going to study, run some experiments, whatever it is they're doing, we have a lot of different ideas. You know, if they are taking them back to their dimension for a little while, well, time most likely is going to work differently in that space, wherever they're at, fifth, sixth, seventh dimension, whatever it is. Um, and so five minutes you know, might actually be an hour or two, uh, this sort of thing. When you look at some of the you know, different abduction cases, like Travis Walton, Betty and Barney Hill, uh, those sorts of things, the time really worked differently. And we can even go back into uh, some of our older texts, like the uh, like fairy lore and things like, like this, where uh, instead of extraterrestrials, it was fairies and they were being taken into the quote unquote fairy realm. Right. Um, you know, same thing, like an abduction, like we consider with UFOs and ETs now, but we see a lot of the similarities of you know, time worked differently. And, you know, people thought the person was gone for, you know, a full day or two and, you know, they're dancing around with the fairies or whatever they're doing. And all of a sudden, you know, the person's like, Oh, it was only five minutes to me. Yeah. It was quite different. So you see a lot of these, uh, type of cases like that. And it seems like whatever that, that realm is, wherever they get taken is, is on some other dimensional plane, some other plane of existence. Okay. Real quick. Here it is. Here's the theory. And then we're going to wrap it up. Are you ready, Mike? All right. All right. Here's the theory. As I'm reading your book, it occurs to me years ago, I used to say 95% of the things you see in the sky are man made and are us. Okay. Mm-hmm. Your book summed it up for me perfectly. You connected all the dots for me. And here's why. I still maintain it's that. And when you say stack time theory in, in photographs all stacked together, and as you're saying, as we go further in time, or as if you're if you're talking about, you know, as the stack gets bigger, and as we start to head towards the end of time, as our timeline does, the timeline that's on the other side of that is heading backwards. If you notice, the UFOs uh, backwards in time, like in the 1940s, were looking like little metal saucers. Now they're getting into triangles and other shapes, right? They're getting more advanced. The timelines are meeting, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, they're getting more advanced. That's us getting more advanced. That's us traveling back in time and getting more advanced. The timelines are meeting each other. The stacks, we're getting back further and further in the stacks, and we're meeting those stacks of photographs in the middle. In other words... We're meeting ourselves. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's that's one that I you know agree with. I, I do believe that some of these extraterrestrials that you know, the UAPs, UFOs that we are seeing and witnessing, um, some of them are ourselves. Um, I don't believe they're all ourselves, but oh, I think some are. I think we had some um, help. Don't get me wrong. I think we. Had oh some yeah, help yeah. There. No, we definitely we yeah. definitely had help, and I've you know, I've talked to. You know, people in the know say, well, we got this technology and that technology from not ourselves. Um, 
<laughs> yeah. And uh, but you know, so something I throw out there in the book is ideas that people don't usually think about is okay. You know, we're talking to time travelers from the future, some somebody that's indigenous to Earth, ourselves that has you know come from the future to our point in time. We're seeing ourselves. You know, maybe uh, you're coming back to uh, you know research, examine you know the past. They might have a re- there might be a resource that we have now that they don't have in, in the future. They need to come back and get. That's all well and good. But you know, I, the the Earth is you know four and a half billion years old. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, people don't really realize how old that is. It still pales in comparison to the rest of the universe. Um, that's a long, long time. You think about this: the dinosaurs went extinct sixty-five million years ago, yeah. and that's just like over one percent of the entire lifespan of the Earth. You know? Yeah. So you think about how long ago that was. Um, so over the course of the next say 65 million years, you know, will humans still be around here? Will we go extinct in that time? It's possible. Um, or we may have done something like you know, conditions here on earth got so bad that we found another planet to go to. Okay, fine. So let's say humans are no longer here at that point in time. The earth is still going on another 5 billion years, by the way. Um, so over that course of time, what if a couple of different things could happen? An extraterrestrial life form from another planet finds Earth that will. Well, it was at that point in the program where I accidentally lost Mike because of some technical issues with Xfinity. <laughs> Can't exactly give him a round of applause here. And I was unable to complete the conversation with Mike. I wish we could have finish that conversation you may think that it might have been aliens we'll leave it to aliens that cut off our conversation with mike i'm so sorry folks we were on to something there with uh, the fact that aliens might have been time travelers time travelers might be aliens or it might be aliens and time travelers but it was a great conversation with mike ricksecker the book i highly encourage you folks to pick up Travels Through Time, Inside the Fourth Dimension, Time Travel, and Stacked Time Theory, Connecting the Universe. We have a link to it in the description of this program. Folks, I can't say enough about this book. It is so good, so good. And lots of great stories in there, uh, lots of great theories in there as well. And Mike Ricksecker has outdone himself with this book. Again, a link in the description of this program. Pick up the book right now. Folks, I also want to thank you so much for continuing to tune in to these great shows here on Darkness Radio. Thank you for being such great listeners and patrons of the program. I want to ask you one favor. To continue being great listeners and patrons of the program, I need you to do one other favor for me, and that's this. Check out our sponsors. We can't continue to do this program unless you support our sponsors. And our sponsors are great sponsors at that. What they do is allow us to continue doing this program and allow us to put on these great programs for you. Both Mint Mobile and Factor have put their money where their mouth is and they've come up with some great deals for you to try. Stick to your wellness goals with premium ready-to-eat meals from Factor. Give them a try, folks. They have some wonderful meals, tasty meals, and they help you Stick to those wellness goals in the middle of summer. It's hot out there. You don't want to eat, I know, or you're eating the wrong stuff on the go. Don't do that. 
Stick to your wellness goals with premium ready-to-eat meals from Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash darkness50. Use the code darkness50. And guess what? At checkout, you're going to get 50% off your order. Give them a try today. Also, Mint Mobile. You know it's got to be a good company because... Ryan Reynolds owns the thing. Come on. Deadpool owns it. Get unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. It's just 15 bucks a month. That's one five. 15 bucks a month. Switch to Mint Mobile today to get your new wireless plan. Go to mintmobile.com slash darkness. I've got it on my iPhone. I'm telling you, the reception, impeccable. I get it everywhere, everywhere. And yes, I tried to set up a hotspot with uh, Mike. We ran out of time today. Otherwise, we would have had Mike right back on the phone today, and we would have uh, set up the beginnings of the second part of the interview and found out more about time travelers and aliens. But unfortunately, we ran out of time with Mike today. So unfortunately, I would have loved to have continued this conversation. I was having so much fun today. Mike was having fun today, too. Uh, he did send me a message and uh, say that he was having a blast with the conversation. And uh, we'll pick it up again next time with Mike Ricksecker. Again, uh, pick up that book. Pick up that book, Travels Through Time. Folks, I want you to uh, go take care of yourself and each other this weekend. Again, look in on an elderly neighbor as we get through summer here. And the southern part of the U.S. is just still a scorcher in August. Make sure that the elderly are being taken care of, the infirm are being taken care of, and that they're getting what they need out there. Be sure you're hydrating. I know I sound like your 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 mother right now. <laughs> Be sure you're hydrating. Be sure you're getting your nutrition. Make sure that the uh, the elderly and infirm out there are are getting what they need as well. Looking on your neighbors and your community. It's time for us to start coming together uh, as a community and looking after each other. Uh, because the world is becoming kind of an ugly place. We need to be the example that we want to see in the world. You know, get out there and start looking after one another and making sure that we're all okay. That's what we need to do. And just uh, do it as a favor to your buddies here at Darkness Radio. We've got a great week of shows lined up next week. We're going to be talking the Taco Bell Killer. That's right. We're going to be talking about that next Tuesday here on True Crime Tuesday. Got some other stuff in store for you as well next week. For Beer City Bruiser, for Mally Fox, for Jessica Freeberg, I'm Tim Dennis. Thank you so much for tuning in to the best in paranormal talk radio. This is Darkness Radio.